0: All right. Well, today, uh, All Things Church Part 5 talking on membership today. So this is going to be a fun talk. And uh, and so I want to invite you, if you would, uh, to have your notes with you. If you do not have fill-in-the-blank notes, please, please, please lift your hand and somebody will come by and give you a copy. So please uh, have these fill-in-the-blank notes. It'll really help you out. And uh, that way you can go home and uh, study them again and look over them and uh, study the verses, and so that's why we've put those. So keep your hands up until somebody comes and hand around that'll help you follow along today. So, I want to teach you today about uh, church membership, and uh, I do believe it is a biblical thing that we could talk about, and certainly it's implied. Uh, one thing I want you to know is that nowhere in scripture um, do you find uh, the command to be a church member. So, church membership is not about salvation. You can go to heaven without being a member of a church. I don't think it's required for justification in Christ, uh, but I certainly do believe that it's implied in the Scripture. And, and not everything. You know, just so you know, if it's not in Scripture, doesn't mean it's not implied. Uh, and I wrote this sentence down to help un- help you understand that. Uh, nowhere in Scripture will you ever find a command uh, to use the restroom, um, but some things are simply implied. I mean, I'm sure Jesus did. Amen? Like it, but I don't see any verse that tells us he ever did, uh, or, or any person for that matter that I saw. I mean, maybe it's there somewhere hidden. But. So just because it's not in Scripture clearly as a command doesn't mean that it's not biblically implied. And so church membership, I think, falls in that category of implication. And, and so we're talking about it today. And just because it's not a command, doesn't mean you don't need to be a member of a church. I believe that every follower of Jesus should be and would want to be and desire to be a member of a church. And so I want to teach you today about the implications of church membership in the Bible. And in doing so, I want to give you four reasons why church membership matters, why I think it's absolutely important to the body of Christ. So number one, if you're taking notes, followers of Jesus are expected, and I I wrote biblically, okay, on your notes it says biblically expected, so biblically to belong to a specific gathering, all right? So Again, I understand that this is a touchy subject for many people, been uh, in this church six years, and I remember that first membership thing that we ever did, people looked at me in that room as just a few people and said, why in the world do I have to be a member? Why do I have to sign something? I don't want to sign something and and just push back on this whole thing. So here's what I want you to know. Today, wherever you stand with church membership, here, and I'm sure there's church memberships you've been a part of, or maybe you have been a part of, or the word membership just sounds weird. We shouldn't use membership. We should use partnership. We shouldn't use partnership. We should use whatever other words. Okay. I'm just going to ask you to kind of just set that down and let's just let the text speak. Let's just, you know, even though it's not always comfortable, let's let the text speak and do our best to allow the Holy Spirit to help us to understand what he's saying and what does scripture mean on church membership and why do I believe it's absolutely important to the body of Christ. Okay, first, the New Testament uses the word ecclesia over 114 times and 90 of the 114 times in the New Testament, it it was referring to a time of gathering. That's what the word ecclesia means. This is where you get the word church from. Ecclesia, definition, is just a gathering of people uh, in an assembly, a specific time or place in history. Uh, It could be defined as a gathering of people united in a particular purpose. Ecclesia was not just a Christian word. Ecclesia was uh, used for just any kind of a gathering of community for a particular purpose or worship or assembly. And so this is what where you and I get the word church from. Ecclesia, mentioned in scripture. And again, ninety of the times it was mentioned, it's mentioned in a specific gathering. Alright, so a couple of verses, a lot of text to go through. Acts two forty six. Look what the text says as the new church launches. Every day they continue to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So there's a meeting together in temple courts, not just in homes, in homes, but also in temple space, gathering space. And there's four courts in the temple, but um, there's there's a time that the church gathered. They specifically gathered. There was an expectation that followers of Jesus would gather. Didn't have to be commanded because it was just kind of an expectation that was in the context. And I don't believe that's just for this context. I think that's throughout all time. A couple other verses. Romans, uh, let's go to 1 Corinthians 1, 2. Uh, Paul writes to the church of God in Corinth. Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people. So who's Paul writing to? The church in Corinth. A specific gathering. He's not writing to the church in Ephesus or the church in Philippi. He's writing to the church in Corinth. There's a specific geographical location for this church and this gathering. He continues on together with all those everywhere. Who's he referring to? All the other churches everywhere. All the other gatherings of people that are happening. He's not just talking about a universal church. He's talking about a specific church who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord is ours, okay? Uh, Romans 16, 3, 4. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but circle this part, all the churches. No, we're all one church, yeah, there is a universal church, but he says all the churches. This is specific churches. The text is clear. There are specific churches that Paul wrote to and encouraged, and each church was going through something different. And when you read through different churches and different letters in the New Testament, uh, each church had different struggles, very similar struggles, but certainly different struggles and different things that they needed to hear. All right, we're going to continue on. All the churches of Gentiles are grateful for them. 1 Corinthians sixteen nineteen. The churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet, uh, greet you warmly in the Lord. And so does the church that meets at their house. So this is a gathering at a home, a gathering at a place, a gathering in a temple. All through Scripture, it talks about specific churches in the New Testament. All through the New Testament, it talks about specific gathering spots. Paul writes his letters to specific churches, not the universal church. I want you to see and help understand that I believe wholeheartedly the body of Christ. There's a universal body of Christ. But then within that universal body of Christ, there is local body of believers, local churches. The Bible expects followers of Jesus to belong to a specific gathering of believers. And I knew that I could sit here with Scripture after Scripture after Scripture and show you how each uh, body of believers belong to a specific gathering of people. So I just want you to see. And because of time, and they put this clock on me, and I'm trying to hit this time, I, I cannot give you every Scripture verse on this, but it's, it's all through it. All through the New Testament, you'll find a specific gathering of believers uh, meeting together, praying together, doing life together, all through Scripture. So here's a question. If Paul wanted to write a letter to the church you identify with, which church would it be? And I'm pushing on, and I know there's some out there who say, like, well, I don't need to identify with the church. And I just kind of hop around church to church. And I just kind of visit church. And I just do church by myself in my own closet. That's church. And, and I could be church at a coffee shop at a Starbucks. That's church. And I've heard that's, so, that's such junk. I've heard so many people say this and friends of mine, still friends of mine today, still friends of mine to this very day say, I don't do church. I mean, this is church. We meet at Starbucks. That's church. That's church. We're having church. We have coffee. That's church. Really? I mean, where, what New Testament are you reading? Um, I think, honestly, for a lot of us, especially as uh, Western culture, American culture, it's this uncomfortable and so we just try to not have to get close to it. Because when you get close to something, things get revealed. And when things get revealed, things get real. And we don't want things to get revealed. All right, I got to get stuff. stop. I got to get one. Okay, here we go. Number two, followers of Jesus are expected biblically to be served and submissive to church leaders. Okay, here we go. All right, let's let the text speak, okay? Before you, oh no, here we go. He's going to start commanding us to do weird stuff. No, I'm not. Just hear me out. All right, I wanted you to see in Scripture, Scripture clearly, clearly expects followers of Jesus to identify with a specific gathering of believers. Do we see that? That that seems so clear in Scripture. That there's a local body of believers um, that you would identify with. You would say this is the family in which or the community in which I belong to or identify with. Again, if Paul were writing you a letter, which, which church would you tell him to write to? I oh, would just write to the church of Florida. You know, here's what the church of Florida is dealing with. Here's what the church of New Tampa, here's what the church of Odessa is dealing with. Right? you would say, what, what church is that? If you don't have an answer to that, I encourage you to consider belonging to a specific gathering. All right, so number two, served and submissive to church leaders. Okay, here we go. Hebrews 13, 17. One of the most scariest verses I've ever read in my life. When I read it the other day on my couch again, I shouted out loud. I think I told you that last week. I went, oh! Ah! That was about the sound that I made when I read this. You'll know why in a second. verse 17. <laughs> obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that can't be right, right? Like that's the tension. You read that, I read that, and we're like, yeah, but what does the Greek say, you know? And what is the commentary? Yeah, but what did Spurgeon say? Or what did this guy say? Or what did this... Like, it just feels like that can't be right. I want to show you, I believe, whole heartedly. There's not a misinterpretation in the English language when this writing comes from the writer of Hebrews, likely to be maybe Paul, some don't know, but obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. But I want you to hear the next line because the next sentence is so important in why the first sentence absolutely stands true. Here's what it says. Their work, whose work? the spiritual leader's work, that's what we're talking about, is to watch over your souls. Now, this is where it gets real for me, not so much for you in this case, and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. They would certainly not be for your benefit. Can I just let you know something, church? I am accountable to God in how I spiritually lead you and teach you. I'm accountable to and for you. Anyone want to get up here instead of me? I will be glad to switch with you. Okay, I didn't think you need to know takers. Okay, all right, amen. Okay, so let's unpack this. There's an accountability on teachers and leaders in the church responsibility, and I will be held accountable for the universal church. No. For who then? Those I lead. Right? Acts twenty twenty eight. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock, which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer. Overseer is leader or elder. Is that the universal church in Acts 20, 28? No, it's talking about a specific body that God has entrusted to your care. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. So who am I to keep watch over? Let me ask you a better question. When I read this, the question I ask myself is this. Who exactly, Lord, am I to give an account for? Since launching this church six years ago, that's been a struggle in my heart. Who is it, Lord? Am I accountable for every person to just in And who who am I responsible for? Whose souls am I supposed to watch over? And then I say, well, what does it mean to watch over? So then I looked up in the Greek, just in case you're wondering, if I already went there, okay? Watch over means to keep watch. It actually means for like a time period, like, like stay awake is one interpretation of it. To stay awake, to not sleep. Keep watch like a watchman in a watchtower. So, what does that mean, right? And how do you how do you do that? How does it get accomplished? Now, I'm going to share something that I feel like God told me. When I say something that I think God told me, I'm not equating His words to to, to scripture. Just so you know, this is something that I think the Father just told me as His son that I, like I needed to hear. And so this was. Not for everybody, this was for me, but I want to let you in on something that I felt he told me. He said, Ricky, how foolish it would be for a man to desire a large flock of sheep. Don't you know it's much harder to spot one that's diseased? And in that moment, I thought, yeah, just shrink us down to about two, because I think that's about all I could handle. How, think about it. We want large church. We want to see people come and large churches and all this. But can you imagine trying to lead a flock of 10,000 sheep and you've got to determine who's disease and who's not? We're going to get to a sentence in just a minute that I believe why so many times it's tempting. It's so tempting. And I'll get there in a minute. Actually, I'm just going to tell you now because it's like, it just makes sense to come now, but I'll write it later. Do you know why i personal opinion, belief. And I've fallen into this trap, so I confess I've fallen in this trap in seasons of my life. Why we want to build churches, grow churches. Let me tell you something. In church ministry, it is much easier to win souls than it is to watch over them. I just challenged, do we want to win souls? Yes. But there's a calling so clear. That I'm called to watch over you and the leaders of this church. There is a hundred percent a biblical implication that followers of Jesus are to be served by and submissive to church leaders. And I, did you hear the word "served by"? This is what I do every single week and throughout my life. I try to serve you. I'm not here to be served, to serve you. What a servant of God is in the will of God. Listen to me. When a servant of God is in the will of God, teaching the Word of God, the people of God should submit and obey. I want you to think about that. When, when this writer is saying, hey, listen, they watch over your souls. They're accountable to God. That puts such fear in me, greater fear than you could ever put in me. So, yes, when a servant of God is in the will of God, teaching the Word of God, then why wouldn't the people of God want to submit and obey? This is not saying, do whatever they say, and that's it. It's in the context of, they're accountable to God. So when they're teaching the Word of God, and they're following the Word of God, and they're submissive to the Word of God, yes, wouldn't you want to do what they say? Of course you would, which is why it's so, so important that you make sure that you submit to the authority of somebody who's under God's teaching. This is absolutely critical. Does this mean then that you're to follow the instruction of every leader in every church? Please, no. Like, I don't, my silence scares me, by the way. And maybe I know you're thinking about it, but should you follow the leader of every, is this what he's saying? Hey, if you're part of the body of Christ, you need to follow what every church leader says. If they say they're a church leader, do what they say. No. No. Not even close. Evidently, what the expectation is, is there's a follower who's submitting to the leader. So then who do you submit to? Look what it says in Romans 16, 17. And now I make one more appeal, my brothers and sisters. Watch out for people who cause division and upset people's faith. They destroy people's faith. How? By teaching things contrary to what you've been taught. In other words, Paul's saying, "I've, I've wrote you truth, and they're teaching contrary to God's word. And when they do that, they destroy faith. Such people are not serving Christ, our Lord. They're serving their own personal interests. How do they do that? By smooth talk and glowing words. They deceive innocent people. Can I just tell you, there's going to be a lot of really good preachers who are false teachers. Right? Isn't that what the text just said? I mean, their words are going to be so sweet. Oh, amen. I love to hear that. And there's no truth in it. Can I just tell you, be careful who you choose to teach and lead you. Please. If you sit in this church, reconsider. (laughs) I'm okay with telling you. I know that I just scared you there, but just, it's okay. I would rather you reconsider to make sure that like, you know, and whoever you, please, listen, do not follow every Bible teacher you watch online. Please, I, 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 this is the cry of my heart. Stop watching 19 preachers online. You don't even remember what I say. <laughs> How in the world do you, you know, and it, just, just wrap your head around that. I'm not against listening to other people. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm just saying like, Let's not brag about people we watch. I've said this before. Please stop. Don't do this. Every person you listen to, are you you looking up what they're saying, making sure it's absolutely true, or does it just sound good? I'm so concerned for the local body of Christ that we just retweet and rehash tag and read things that just sound great, but have no depth of truth in them. You should absolutely take the words that I preach and speak and go home and read your Bible and go, yeah, that that lines up. So if you're going to listen to somebody teach and preach and not be willing to go study for yourself, I think you're making a mistake. That's why I don't try to listen to 20 preachers. That would exhaust me. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? How many people have been misled and mistaught potentially? Potentially. It's a big deal. That's what I'm here to teach you today. I knew it would be a lot of applauding. Like, this is great teaching. Amen. (laughs) I just, but but this is what God's placed in my heart. A godly teacher will teach you to submit to God, not to himself. I heard a story one time about a pastor who asked people to kiss their hand before they exited. And my first thought was, they did what? Yeah, I'm to call him father. And I kiss his hand before I leave. And I thought, what? Where do you see the command to kiss? A father, let alone, what? And I thought, people do this? Yeah, people do it. It's like, where do you see that? Well, I guess I had never looked. That's the problem. So I've said before, don't ever call me father. I am not your dad. I have four. You are not one of them. And that's not a diss. I'm just saying, does that make sense to you? Number three, followers of Jesus are expected biblically to be accountable and encouraging. Oh, man, I got to calm down. Okay, I want you to hear me, church. I'm not saying you should do every single thing a leader tells you. But if that leader is aligned with God's Word and teaching God's Word, why wouldn't you want to do whatever that leader tells you? Okay, it's really important. Followers of Jesus expected to be accountable and encouraging. All right, 1 Corinthians 2. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you. Now, Paul is writing to a church in where? Corinth. So it's not church in Ephesus. This is the church in Corinth. And this church in Corinth is dealing with this man who's in sin. I'm just going to read the scripture and let it just speak. And of a kind that even pagans do not tolerate. So this guy's doing some jacked up stuff. What's he doing? A man is sleeping with his father's wife. Whoa, whoa. What? Sometimes I had to read that three times. Like, okay, I'm trying to... Who, who's he sleeping with? A man is sleeping with his father's wife. His mom? Man? Is that right? Somebody tell me. Sounds like a father's wife. Who's a father's wife? A mom? Oh, my goodness. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, something's got to be wrong there. Yeah. Okay. So, this is wrong. And then he says, and you are proud. So, who's this letter written to? The church. Who's responsible for the church? The The people leading this flock of people. This messed up group of people. And you're proud? Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning? And look at this. Have put out of your fellowship the man who's doing this? Look, go down at verse 12, 13. says, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? You can't judge me. Remember the line, don't judge me? Where do you see that in Scripture? Don't judge outside. But do we have the right to judge inside? Well, let's read it. It says, are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those for the outside. Here's what I want you to do to this man. Expel him, this wicked person, from among you. So the text writes, there are outsiders and insiders. So how do you know who's an outsider who's an insider? How am I supposed to determine if you're outside or inside? Evidently, there's outsiders and there are insiders. Evidently, in scripture, we just saw it, I'm held accountable, not for the universal church. Am I accountable to what happens over some church in some country I've never been into? Is God going to hold me accountable for what happens in some church in Idaho? Why? I don't know why Idaho, but you know. No? Insiders and they're insiders. And it's clear in Scripture. And then the discipline. There's an accountability in church that I think we have lost. I mean, how many of you look for a church to hold you accountable? I have never, I've heard many people come through my life in 15 years of ministry and say, I'm searching for a church and not one time I'm looking for a church that will just hold me accountable, get me out of this sin. Have you? Have you ever heard? I'm searching for a church that will hold me accountable to break this sin. Chances are you have never heard that. You look for churches that will serve you and make you happy. We do, we live in a very consumer driven society. What church will make me laugh? Oh, I love him. He makes me laugh. He's so funny. I've heard the compliment, he's so funny, more than I've heard of, he speaks truth. And I'm not talking about just me. I'm talking about just in general. Oh, I love that guy. He's so funny. This is a comedy show? I mean, I love that you get to laugh and have fun, but it's like, can you tell I'm passionate about this? If anything, at least I'm passionate. Just give me credit for that. Okay. Thank you. At least I'm passionate. I'm trying to be... Okay, kick him outside of the church. In case you don't think church discipline matters to Jesus, Jesus actually said it directly from his own words. Here's what Jesus said. If your brother or sister sins against you, this is Matthew 16, Matthew 18. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Oh, man, just between the two of you. All right. If they listen to you, you've won. But if they don't listen, take one or two others along with you so that the matter may be established by the testimony of your two or three witnesses. Now, if they still refuse to listen, this can't be right. Tell it to the church. So I ask myself the question, to what church? Jesus? The universal church? Do we just make this thing go viral? Can I just pick on Andrews since he's a staffer you know, I'm joking? You know, Andrews lied. Everybody send out now, you know. Like, what? I don't know. That make, is that what we're supposed to do? The universal church? No. This is talking to a specific church, right? That means there's implications of a specific gatherings of bodies of believers and to let that church know. Now, do I think then that you should, now it gets, no, no, I know what you're thinking. Like, well, oh, oh, are you just going to start lining us up today? No, you already do that on social media yourselves, okay? All right. <laughs> Some of you do. You're like, be careful what you put on social media, by the way. You really should think about it twice. Um, <laughs> gosh. Um, I believe there's absolutely a an approach to telling it to the church. Do I think the church should help you get away from sin? Of course I do. Do I think it's about humiliation and bringing people up, which some churches do? No. That's humiliation. That's not what we're talking about here. This is so important to understand this. Look at Hebrews 10. The writer of Hebrews writes this in 10.24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward what? Love and good deeds. Not giving up, meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. All the more as you see the day approaching. Just think about this. I want you to think about this. If we are wandering off in sin, and the Bible clearly states that the wages of sin is death, then wouldn't we want people who love us enough to bring us back to God? Yes. 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 I mean, if I was caught in some sin, wouldn't I want somebody to come and try to take me away from that sin and help me restore me into the right relationship with the Father and get me untangled from that particular sin? Yes. So what's wrong with being held accountable? Nothing. Jesus encourages it. And the heart behind this of getting the person in front of a church or to a local body of believers or gathering somebody was in hope that they would repent and turn from their sin so the sin doesn't destroy their life. wasn't to humiliate them, to make fun of them, but to bring them back home to the Father. It's the heart of the matter. And have churches taken this and misused it and abused it? yes. But that doesn't remove it from Scripture. Church discipline is absolutely critical to the body of Christ. Can you imagine what your children would be like if you didn't discipline them? Can you imagine what you would be like if you were never disciplined? Some of you know. You're like, oh yeah, I remember my teenage years. We discipline those we love, right? Right? When my children get out of the line, discipline comes into play. has to. And you, as a parent, you know this. That discipline is necessary. Now, is there harsh discipline? Yes. Is there abusive discipline? Yes. Is that horrible inside of God? Yes. Does that make all discipline bad? No. It's the same in the church. The people abuse it, misuse it, mistreat it? Absolutely. Does that make it Wrong from the context of that, therefore, we should get rid of all discipline in the body of Christ? No. Discipline is necessary within the body of Christ when it's done in love and in truth in a way that encourages the believer to keep pushing towards as they wait for the day approaching of Jesus' return. So, I believe wholeheartedly, it seems to me, in clear, Scripture is so clear. Scripture is clear that we're to be accountable to one another and encouraging to one another. All right, number four. Followers of Jesus are expected biblically to contribute to the local church. All right, here we go. Long verse here, 12 through 27, 1 Corinthians 12 to 27. Just pay attention. I highlight them all for you. How many times the word body is used? Just as a... Let's have fun. Let's all read it. Every time you see body or part, just just say out body or part. Okay, here we go. Just as a body through one has many, but all has many for one body. Okay, let's stop that. It's going to get really weird. So it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. We are all given for one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, "Because I'm not the hand, I do not belong to the body," I would not, for that reason, stop part being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, I would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they're all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. I cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts needs to need to no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked, so that there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of, this is my favorite line, you is a part of it. You, each one of you, is a part of this body. The Bible clearly implies, and there's an expectation to be part of, or a quote-unquote member of, a specific body body. Now, are we all the body of Christ universally? Yes, that seems to be biblically implied. Sure, we are the body of Christ. The body of Christ is universal. all re- Yes, that is a central truth to Scripture. But Scripture also implies there's specific gathering of local believers. And again, I just read that to you. Remember Revelation? Some of you are probably into Revelation right now because all that's happening, like, this has got to be the end. Revelation, I've got to know. And, uh, but Revelation, do you remember the letters that are written to how many churches? seven churches? Churches, right? And and as Jesus speaks to these churches, he holds certain things for and against these specific churches. So does Scripture also clearly imply local churches or specific churches, specific gatherings? All through Scripture, there is universal body and there is local body. And you play a part in the universal body and within the local body. So we can't say as followers of Jesus that we just belong to the universal body and that's it. That is to disregard local body. And you cannot support that in Scripture. Truth is, you have to support in Scripture there is a local body and there is a universal body. We pull all of our resources together here within the local body to share the gospel of Jesus and serve the kingdom of God. Church membership is both biblical and expected and implied in Scripture. But that leaves us with a few questions to answer. Number one, it's a question for me, which I asked earlier. Am I here to win souls? Am I here to watch over souls? Or is it both? And I believe it's both. I do know that it's easier to win souls than to watch over. If all I had to do was bring in and say, we saved people, amen. Amen and then never did anything else? I don't see that support in Scripture. We're just here to seek the lost and that's it. Where do you see that? That is a component. Yes, but that is not the full thing. The full thing, as we saw earlier in this series, is to make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And to equip and to train people for the work of the ministry. Yes? So it is not just to win souls. So we are not here in this church just to win people to Christ. And then people will say to me, oftentimes, well, if you focus too much on discipleship, you won't have evangelism. Well, how can I have proper evangelism without discipleship? Did you hear me or am I losing you? In other words, there's a tension in churches today. Are they going to be more evangelistic, right? Seeker friendly? You've heard that before? Or are they going to be more uh, uh, discipleship oriented? I don't see or anywhere in that context of Scripture. I see both. Both are necessary. I saw a picture of you to help you understand what his watch over means. This is a picture of a shepherd looking over at sheep. He's just watching over them. And he keeps the shepherd's hook, the little hook in his hand to help correct them and manage them. That's what the hook is used for, is to help manage them, to guide them. And I keep one of these in my office to remind me what my job is. It's not just to win people to Christ. It's to keep you in line. Yeah. It's, it's what a shepherd is. That's why people who desire the work of a pastor, I'm like, are you kidding? You, you really want this? Are you sure? Now, it's a blessing. It's an honor. I just want you to understand that this is, I believe, the biblical calling of shepherds and pastors. It's not just to teach the Word of God and walk off and have nothing to do with the flock. No, I already need help. That's why we have leaders here and other staff members here and small group leaders and different things that goes on to to help pastor and care for you and tend to you and love you and support you and encourage you. Yeah, okay. With what specific body of believers do you gather, serve, submit, contribute, and commit? If you don't have the answer to that question, I plead with you today to consider being a part of a local body of believers, whether it be in this body or some other body. But I, I plead with you. I think it's absolutely biblically important. What does church membership matter? Why does it even matter? Well, look at John's writing in John 13 35. Jesus said, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. The world will know that we are his disciples by the way we what? love one another." Well, who are we supposed to love? Well, the universal body. Yeah, amen. But I'm, I'd be exhausted if I had to love all those people. Do you hear what I just said? If I had to love and care for everybody, you know, some other person. I mean, no, within the local body. Thank God that he's put other pastors and leaders and teachers and all of that and within the body of Christ and not put it all on one man's shoulders. Did you hear what I just said? Can you imagine if there was just one pastor who had to watch over every single person? No, this is, this is the role of a local church. And you and I as followers of Jesus are called to gather, to serve, to submit, to contribute, and to ultimately commit to one another. It's a beautiful thing when you think about it. What a, what a place do you know of that people come from all different walks of life to gather, to love, to serve, and to build one another up in faith? And then we come together, we contribute our resources and our time and our energy and our money and all this stuff to help carry out the work of the gospel. The church is a beautiful thing from all different walks of life and all different backgrounds. It's a diverse body of Christ. It's amazing. It's incredible. And I wrote this down. I just want you to know, I love this body of believers. And as I heard the team sing today and and just hearing you sing and engage and I see you serve and love one another, I honestly, I'm humbled every time I consider the fact that I get to lead this body. I love this body. I really do. And, and, And I care for each of you. But then I'm like, well, who am I supposed to care for? And that's why I believe wholeheartedly there has to be some clear identification of who's inside, who's outside. Who wants under the care of this church covering, and who does not want under the care? And by the way, if you don't want under the care, you don't have to be under the care. I'm just so glad I don't. I know at least I don't have to care about you. So just, just free me of that today. That's what the text said. Like, don't be a burden to him. Just free me of it, and, and don't become a member. And then don't be, get mad when I'm like, I'm not calling you and hanging out with you and then trying to care on you because you're not my flock. Like, go. Does that make sense? You can come. Does that make sense? Yes. You can come and attend if you're not a member of this church, 100%. You are welcome here. But I've got to find some way to clearly identify with who am I accountable for and who am I not accountable for. I mean, just imagine if every child in your neighborhood came knocking at your door saying, hey, feed me. You know what I would say all the kids in my neighborhood? No, I'm not your dad. I got four. That's it. Does that make sense? I need to know, who are my children? Who are not my children? Does that make sense? Who's a a part of the flock? Who's not? And I think every single one of you should be a member of a local body that you serve with, that you submit to, you contribute to, commit to. And I know this pushes on everything against American culture, American society, because we praise self-dependency. In fact, we teach our children, come on, you can do it. You can do it. you, 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 you. You don't need anybody else. You don't need anybody else. That's such junk. (laughs) You don't need anybody else. How many of you in your life, in your life, have ever felt alone? Raise your hand high. You felt alone. Every one of you. How many are like, I felt alone. I just decided to stay there. I just thought I don't need anybody. (laughs) The only reason you felt alone because something that you need was absent. Community and people. So please, church, I'm pleading with all those watching online today. Please, if you're looking for churches and church hopping around, I understand you're trying to find where God wants you. I, I get that. But please, let's stop dating churches. Let's commit to be the church that God designed us to be. Let's be accountable. Let's be loving. Let's be serving. Let's take God on what he wrote and do what he says and then watch what happens in our individual lives. Right? Let's join in arms with one another. And in conclusion, church membership is a way of identifying with a specific gathering of believers and making oneself accountable to proper spiritual leadership. So how do we do that here? Well, it's what we call brave track. It might be reworded at some point, brave membership or brave track, but it's it's membership. And we talk about four things that we're going to go through in this membership, and I'll cover them briefly. Uh, number one, and I've done this before already, but in our membership, what we're going to talk about and I'm going to show you all through scripture I don't have time now of course the necessity of knowing Christ is the first part of a member being saved giving your life to Christ and that is biblical as well and so we want to talk to you about what it means to know God and we want to get to know you and where you are cuz each one of you is a different walks of life and some people come in here have never been in church some people never don't understand God and some people are like, you need to get deep up there but you got to remember there's also people here who who Just hearing Jesus for the first time. You know, and so and so we want to know where you are. We want to walk with you where you are currently in your walk with God. Is this all brand new for you? Is this something you're returning to? And so we want that to happen. We want to hear from you. That's why I decided not to do a membership class right here on stage. That'd be so much easier because then I could just do a big membership thing and then we could all sign. But that's that's not what this is designed to do. We're going to take every single person that attends this church who wants to be a member, and we're going to walk you through your testimony. I believe the central, greatest, most powerful weapon that you have in your, in your tool belt, so to speak, as a Christ follower, is your testimony. It's your story. It's how God has found you. And it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is something I, I'm going to stand on. I'm telling you as your pastor and leader, if you decide to be a member of this church, you will know the gospel. You will understand the gospel and know how to share the gospel. There's nothing more important in our world today than the gospel. Let me tell you what's not as important. Knowing when Jesus is coming back. I will tell you right now, hands down, it is more important to know the gospel than to know the day Jesus returns. you got to share the gospel. But some people don't feel confident in sharing the gospel. and We're going to walk our members through how to share their story and share the gospel of Jesus. And we don't want anyone to be intimidated by sharing the gospel. So uh, grow. We're going to talk with you about how we can equip you, obviously within the gospel, and to grow in your knowledge of God. It breaks my heart to know that we could have members of this church or people of this church who don't know how to read their Bible, don't know what Bible to read, don't know what translations are, don't know how to look up certain verses. Uh, That's something that we've got to make sure that you know how to do. We want to help equip you to do that so that you feel encouraged in that way. Discover the role in your church. Uh, Contribute. How how do you contribute? What are the ways of contributing? What are your spiritual gifts? What has God gifted you with? What is God calling you to? We want to help you discover that. We want to talk about freedom, discovering freedom. What it means to be free in Christ, to no longer be a slave in Christ Jesus, but to live in righteousness and holiness and purity. What does that mean? We're going to unpack that. And then to go ultimately. So know, grow, discover, go. That's how we say it. Go ultimately to do what? Make disciples. You too are called to make disciples. And to go, make him known to the world around you and to your family and to your home and to your neighborhoods. And ultimately, we make a difference together as we do that. So that's what our membership is going to uh, be. It's going to take about two hours. That's at least our, what we're assuming it's going to take typically. And we're going to do it in one setting versus multiple settings So, on your seat, there's a sign-up card. If you're online, you can sign up as well. Just let us know. Um, But March 20th, so next Sunday, the 27th and the 3rd, we're going to run these uh, three straight Sundays in a row to try to kind of give everybody an opportunity. Hopefully, you can choose one of those dates. If you haven't already, please do so. If you decide that you would like to be a member, if you just want to sit in the membership class, and at the very end, again, you go, you know, sitting through all of this, I don't think I want to be a member here. I'm going to be like, man, that's fine then that's great. I, I don't have to care about you. This is perfect. Again, I, at, least I, at least I know. I mean, I love you, but I, like, I don't have to feel the burden of you. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? I mean, again, if the calling is clear, I'm accountable to God for the local church, who am I going to be accountable for? If anything, it just helps, helps us and our elders and our staff know who we're accountable to God for. Does that make sense? Yeah. Clear in Scripture to me. Okay? It seems so clear. So sign up for one of those days. Let us know that you're coming on March 20th, 27th, and 3rd. It's going to happen after service, 1230 to 230. We'll have childcare provided and food. And so I would love for us as a church family to do this all together and to go through uh, membership time together. And so we'll be doing this. This is what Brave Track will be. And I encourage you as Uh, you consider to make this your home church, understand that I take my job to pastor and shepherd. Our elders do, and our staff does, and all those that care for you, and our small community group leaders, to care for you, to help you grow in your knowledge of God, and to help you know God, and make Him known by the way you live your life. Like, this is our whole thing we're trying to accomplish, and that's why we want to talk about all things church. And church membership, I believe, is something that has to be uh, ramped up, in our world today and within the body of Christ to make it healthy and whole. And so um, that's what we're going to be moving towards. Now today, I'll wrap up by saying this. I know for some of you watching or here, um, you might say, gosh, I don't know about church membership. I'm just trying to figure out Jesus. Well, let me just share with you what is heavy on our hearts. I want you to know that whether it's church membership or not, I want you to understand that Jesus Christ loves you. Maybe today it's not just a decision about church membership for you, but it's just a day about giving your life to Jesus. Well, please let me share with you what we call the gospel or this good news of Jesus. And I want you to know that there's nobody in your life who loves you more than Jesus Christ. And scripture is clear that God loves you regardless of what you think about him. He loves you and he loves you so much that he sent his own son to die for your sins Why? So you could be deemed the righteousness of God. So he would take away every sin in your life. That you would be deemed holy and pure. So you could have eternal life in him and through him. And to live as you were once uh, from the very beginning intended to be good and pure and righteous and holy without sin. And make no mistake about it, Jesus Christ the only one true God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus will return. And scripture is clear that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And as it was stated earlier today, don't wait until that day to say Jesus and call on his name. I urge you, I plead with you now to consider giving your life to Jesus. And I know, I know. I sat there once too and thought, but I don't understand everything. But you don't have to understand everything about God to fully obey Him. Truth is, you'll never understand everything about God. It'll just be a constant life, long journey to discover more and more about Him. And I plead with you to make the decision to follow Him today. If it's a recommitment, if it's a new decision... Maybe you served the Lord for 10 years and you're like, I just need to recommit to him today. In your own heart, would you pray this with me? Just just call on his name and say, Jesus, you want to just talk with him? Jesus, give me my life today. Father, be my Lord. Take you as my Savior. I mean, that simple prayer can just ignite and start a relationship between you and God the Father. And today, uh, we would love to pray with you. So if I could a few people come forward uh, to pray uh, for the church. And so we'll have some people standing here. And if you need prayer today for something, we would love to be the church that prays with you. Jesus said, make this a house of prayer. So we would love to pray with you. I know some of you are praying for health things. Then come and receive prayer for that. If today, you Want to give your life to, to Jesus. You can come and get prayed for as well if... Um, this just a practical need you have. You want to put it before the Father's feet, then come and get prayed for now. You can stand up and just come forward and get prayed for. As the Holy Spirit nudges you, I encourage you to respond to the Holy Spirit in obedience. You'll be blown away by what God speaks through these individuals up here, praying with you and standing with you. Who knows, you might just get the exact word you've been needing to hear. So you can come and receive prayer now. Father, we love you, and Lord Jesus, I pray as we uh, minister the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world that you would help us, Lord, in those moments. Uh, Father, I'm humbled to be uh, in this position. So Jesus, thank you for being our good shepherd. Lord, we're here to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.